Today, Entrepreneur House listeners, we have the founder of Assemble Advisory, Nathan Rose, back on our show. Assemble Advisory is a leading financial agency for equity crowdfunding operating internationally. About six months ago, we featured Nathan on the show because we wanted to share his experience since he stayed at the Entrepreneur House and talk about the growth of his business. He also made an announcement that he was going to write a book about a hot topic in the business world today equity crowdfunding. We are happy to announce that the day of this recording, November 1st, 2016, Nathan's book is launching as we speak. We are going to talk about this process and get some insights about the book and what the equity crowdfunding market is experiencing today. If you have ever thought about writing a book about your expertise or wanted to dive deeper into the equity crowdfunding world, this is the episode for you. All right, Nathan, welcome to the show. Uh, Chris, it's great to be here and great to catch up. Yeah, so today, my friend, you have launched your book. How does it feel? It feels a little like a kid at Christmas time, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I had trouble sleeping last night, mm-hmm. so with a big day ahead of me today, um, I've had some weird hours where I was just awake and too excited. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, it's great. It's a great feeling to have the hard copy of the book in my hands, to have all of the stuff that I've spent weeks and weeks preparing go out today and to have a beer at the end of the day with some close friends and uh, other people who've been following the project here in London. Well, I think you should have at least two beers, Nathan, because you probably deserve it after all the hard work. Um, So we had you on the show about six months ago and then probably six months before that, uh, or around six months, you were at the Entrepreneur House here in Chiang Mai, which we're at actually right now. And it in your last show you said, Hey, I'm gonna write this book about equity crowdfunding and I said, Okay, well, we'll put you on the podcast again if you write the book. I think let's start talking about the writing book process. How was it for you? What were some of the highs and lows, Nathan? Some of the things that you'd like to share about uh, creating this book? Well the writing process takes a very, very long time. I mean there's no getting around it unless you have the book ghostwritten. But for me, it was important that if it was going to have my name on the front and my picture on the back, then it had to be my words in the middle. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, there's a period where you've just got to sit down every day and set yourself a writing goal and get words on the page. For me, that number was a 1,000 words a day, and I found a really helpful way to gain discipline over myself was to post my progress on social media so people could see that I'm making progress towards this goal that I've very publicly set. And uh, if, you're, if you're afraid of letting people know about your goals, then maybe this isn't the strategy for you, but I found it really effective to put pressure on myself so that people around me could see, uh, is Nathan writing his words or, or is the project just kind of stagnating? Which, if you don't have people checking up on you, these projects have a tendency to do. So it was, it was setting a deadline, setting myself weekly milestones and letting people know about my progress that really got me uh, kicking along much faster. Did somebody encourage you to do that or did you think about just posting on Facebook regularly on your own? No, it was actually Tal who suggested that, uh, another friend of the show and the man who's been my coach and mentor for the last few months. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he, he came up with this idea and the, the, the nice thing about working with Tal, as you know, is that he's got lots of ideas. So you try, <laughs> you try lots of different stuff and Inevitably, if you try a bunch of them, one of them will stick. So that was one that really worked for me. Excellent. 
And how long is the book in total, Nathan? It's just over 50,000 words. Nice. And what would you say is your biggest takeaway from this process? Um, biggest takeaway? Well, I think this strategy that I've used of interviewing a ton of people to put the book together itself was something that I decided really early on and didn't perhaps think about how beneficial it would be until later down the track. Because I was, I, I interviewed 20 startups, so I interviewed 12 crowdfunding platforms and half a dozen other experts mm-hmm. in the course of putting this book together. And my thinking there was I needed to interview them for the, for the content. And that has been super useful to have that content. But, but down the track as I've got closer to the launch and I've had to do things like write book descriptions and appear on podcasts and tell people about the book, being able to point to that fact that it's got all these case studies in the book has been extremely useful. Mm-hmm. And as well, being able to use all of the networks of the people who appeared in the book, the people are much more willing to help you out with things like social media shares and sending to their email list when they themselves are being promoted by that, by that app. So, yeah, I think if you can somehow in a book that you're writing, I guess it would have to be a nonfiction book, but if you can get people... Um, other influencers and other people who can help you out in the book somehow, then that's going to be really beneficial to your cause from both a content perspective and from a marketing perspective. So you're saying it's much more valuable to make this like a team event to create this book as opposed to just kind of doing it on your own? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a concept in content marketing called the roundup post Mm -hmm. where you get a bunch of people to contribute to an article or a blog post that you're writing and then they'll be more willing to share it given that they've appeared. And I've viewed this book as a really long uh, blog post, a really long roundup (laughs) post. Very cool. Uh, Is there any strategies that you would like to share? You said you interviewed or contacted 20 different startups to write this book. Anything you would like to share, tips or tricks to the audience about how you did that? I, I didn't contact 20 startups. I, I interviewed 20 startups. To, okay. to, to, to interview 20 startups, I had to contact about 100. Okay. So that's, that's a learning in itself. I think throughout this whole process, I've just learned the power of doing light outreach, but a lot of it. So th- throughout the course of a project like this one, you learn new skills. And one of the new skills for me was using VAs to collect email addresses for you and to write an introductory email that didn't take people too long to read, but they could make a judgment as to whether it would be good for them to come on and, and feature inside the book. Mm-hmm. But, but don't, if you need 20, don't contact 20. You need to contact a lot more than that. Same with, same with other outreach efforts. If you're trying to get featured on uh, other people's blog sites or other people's podcasts, unless it's someone that you know personally, you're going to have to do a ratio of, I think about 10 to 1 to the, the number that you ultimately need. So yeah. if, you need, if you need 10, you've got to contact 100. Uh, so, yeah, it's, um, it's that process of being willing to put yourself out there to multiple people and hear no a lot of the time, but, but just push on and have faith in the project and have faith that the numbers will eventually work in your favour. And out of those 20 startups, Nathan, that you interviewed, which one stands out to you the most and why? I think it would have to be uh, Monzo Bank. They're a UK company. 
And they're creating a new smartphone-based bank. Uh-huh. It's, uh, I mean, I don't know anyone who really likes their bank. They, <laughs> tend, they tend to be really difficult to work with and they're only open certain hours and they need stuff done in writing, which is anathema to uh-huh. digital notes like us. So they've created this bank, which you do from your smartphone. And their crowdfunding raise was so successful that they actually raised their million pounds in only 96 seconds. Wow. So just imagine, just imagine that, right? raising that kind of money in less than two minutes. Wow. And the way they did that was, was through very smart engagement of their customers. Uh-huh. So, so all through the book, I talk about the importance of using an engaged community and building momentum within that engaged community. Well, for them, that process of building a community and then leveraging that into a capital raising, that, that uh, started months and months beforehand. So even though this, this you know, raise money in 96 seconds sounds like a cool headline, actually it started a lot earlier than that. So yeah. to, have these, to have these really powerful results just requires a lot of preparation. Absolutely. That, that's one thing that stood out to me, both from the crowdfunded companies I've worked with and also from the process of launching this book, that this this day on which we which we speak today, Chris, um, there's been there's been months and months of work put into it. So um, if, if it's a success, and I'm not really sure if it will be or not yet, so it'll be interesting to listen to this episode in hindsight, but... Um, regardless, I think I've done my best, and the the results that come from it will be will be very interesting to see because you know you've really really you've put the effort in. Yeah, it'd be great, Nathan, to have you on the show six months down the line to see how the book turned out and in the process of what you've learned since that point. So maybe that'll be a follow up episode. Okay, tell us about one startup that you interviewed, that you were just kind of shocked about the way they run their business? Shocked in a bad way? No, 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 in in a good way, in a good way. Shocked in a good way. Mm -hmm. Well, there's one, again, in the UK, which I thought was interesting, um, completely different type of business. Mm -hmm. This is called Oppo Ice Cream. They create a healthy, indulgent ice cream um, and... The way that they did market research, I think, I think it just shows the the startup mentality in a in a really clear way. So, this guy when he was getting started, it's funny to say now because now he, you know, now he has a very very successful business with lots of people working for him. But when he was just getting started, he would go around cafes with little pots of his ice cream and just talk to people who were having their coffee at the cafe interrupt them, ask if they wanted to try some of his ice cream for free, and he'd get feedback in real time of what they thought of it. So I, I think I think that's really interesting because I think sometimes digital nomads or entrepreneurs, we spend so much time in front of our laptops, we try to do all these digital marketing outreaches and we we just try to we try to orchestrate the whole thing from in front of our computer screen. But what shocked me and what what was a good reminder is that we should do outreach in the real world too. Talk to real people, and especially if it's a product like ice cream, give them yeah. a taste of it. And ask ask people what they think. Don't just <laughs> don't just focus on 
you know, making your click-through rate that much better. Actually make the product better by talking to real people and give it, getting real feedback. Yeah, it's that human-to-human -human touch that people still uh, really appreciate, I think, for, for entrepreneurs and businesses. Um, Nathan, so what were some of the challenges that you faced um, or barriers that you encountered while reaching out to these startups to interview them? When, when you're a solopreneur, it's the time that it takes to reach out to each person. So some people you could send a message and explain the proposition and send them the Calendly link and boom, you've got an interview lined up. Yeah, that's, that's great. Others are like, oh, can you send the questions through? Um, so you type out the answers and they don't respond to you. Or they just don't want to use your Calendly link, so you have this back and forth with time zones, uh, which is just annoying and unnecessary, mm -hmm. given we've got better ways to do it now. Um, or they you know, they cancel at the last minute. I mean, th these are all just, I mean, they're, they're, they're natural things that happen, I suppose, but... When you're doing a massive outreach like this, where you're contacting a hundred startups, it's it's just the time. You know that that's the biggest challenge. When you actually get on the phone with them and ask for their experiences, people are very forthcoming and very uh, willing to share their knowledge. But it's the scheduling and the um, yeah the, the back and forth that goes into scheduling things in the first place, which is the biggest challenge. Did you ever feel like giving up? <laughs> No, it's funny. Um, no, I don't. I, I never felt like giving up. Um, I'm I'm a little bit like a dog with a bone. I'll either either I'll start something and see it right through to completion, or or I don't start things at all. And and you know maybe this is sometimes to my cost that I I won't get into things if I'm afraid that I won't finish them. But when I do get into something, I think I I usually see it through, especially something like this where it's. Um, I, I, I hate seeing effort go to waste, so I, I couldn't have I couldn't imagine going through two months of it and then not putting in the last two months because I've already contributed two months to it. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's it, it, um, I, I never really felt like coming up though. Well, let's dive into the the book and some of the content itself. So give us a brief summary about it. So people would read the book if they have a business that they want to raise money for. And this is not all entrepreneurs in the circles that we move in, Chris. A lot mm -hmm. of people prefer to maintain the freedom that comes with retaining full control of your destiny and the full control of your company. But there are some people who are interested in this idea of scaling really quickly and sometimes to grow a business really quickly, you need to have more more money than you personally have at your own disposal. So you'd read this book if, if this is something you're open to, raising money for your business. And this equity crowdfunding is a new way to do this, where instead of going to one bank or to one venture capital firm to write you out the big check that you need, you instead get hundreds and hundreds of people to write you out smaller amounts. And mm -hmm. this has a few interesting benefits, like you gain all of these all of these people, this crowd, become on board as new shareholder advocates to you. There are hundreds of people now who have a stake in your success, which is powerful. And plus, it's more of a marketing exercise because you've got to find those people and ultimately get them to commit. So it allows you to raise money and to do marketing at the same time, which is the 
this is the tagline I often use when I tell people about equity crowdfunding. Um, and for a lot of startups, those are the two things that they're trying to do. And with this new way of raising capital, it's not, it's not, uh, they're not two separate things anymore. You can do both at the same time. Very cool. So you have all 20 case studies in your book about each startup? Yep. Okay. Are there any any others, like one or two more that you can share with us, Nathan, just to give us a, um, a quick look into the book? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I'll give you one. Uh, Gusto. Gusto is a Canadian company, and they raised only 50000 Canadian dollars. Uh, so that's like quite a small amount of money, and even for equity crowdfunding, that's not a lot, but they still found the exercise to be very worthwhile um, mm. because they gained even more benefits than just the money. They gained all that marketing exposure that I was just talking about. Um, mm. So it was a real step change for them, bringing on not just new customers, and but, but also people uh, like suppliers and new board members and new other relationships saw them through the act of doing the crowdfunding raise. Yeah. So that was a, a real great uh, profile booster for them. Um, another one that I'd draw, draw attention to is EcoRent, which is an electric car company out of Finland. Mm-hmm. Um, they, 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 I think, point to one of the real trends within this space, which is companies using, um, using equity crowdfunding for funding social projects or ones that have some kind of social good element to it. And these campaigns naturally do better because um, I think people who are investing in crowdfunding tend to want to use their money to do good. So if you can say that you're doing social housing or solar panels or you know, some, of these, some of these businesses which have a world-changing aspect to them too, uh-huh. um, that, that will be more shareable across social media and people will be more engaged than if you're just... And I say just because there's nothing wrong with being just a, a for-profit business. But if you have that social good element to you too, then equity crowdfunding will be, I think, even more uh, powerful and even more of an option that you should be exploring. Excellent. So you talk, I think, a little bit in the book about developing a marketing plan for equity crowdfunders. Are there any tips or highlights you can give us about if somebody's interested in doing equity crowdfunding, how they would market it? Yeah, this. There's 10 tips that I use in the book, but I'll just pull out a couple of them. Uh, One is to use your existing user base. Some businesses would start a crowdfunding campaign with thousands or even tens of thousands on their email list, and Mm -hmm. those people are naturally going to be the easiest to reach out to because you've got them on your email list, so it's free outreach, and they've already given you their email, so there's a trust element that's just been established there. So use that. Um, In terms of finding new investors um, there's the usual stuff like gaining media exposure social media I think I think though you should also look to the platform that you use for crowdfunding because unlike the world of Kickstarter and Indiegogo where there's there's really these two rewards crowdfunding platforms which are much bigger than all the others equity crowdfunding has far more platforms and and the platforms are very region specific so you have american crowdfunding platforms you have australian you have uh, french and as a company you need to look at where you're registered and which ones you can use so uh, once you've done that and you've worked out 
the universe of platforms you can use, it's which one do you use. And this choice of platform is something that you should really spend time on because it's going to have a it's going to have big implications to your marketing. You want to find a platform that's going to be able to help you out and reach their audience that they've already built. So you should be looking at things like how many how many investors do they have on their platform? How many of them are repeat investors? Um, what's how big is their team? You know how how many people can they dedicate to your offer to help you out? Like I think I think you want to avoid going onto a, a small platform or one with a small audience because then you'll have to do all of the outreach yourself and bring everyone to your offer page yourself when there are platforms out there who can help you in that regard. So choose wisely. Excellent. Are there any um, really valuable lessons you learned from the, the process, Nathan, that you would not repeat this time if you wrote another book? Yeah, you, you've got to understand which channels are going to work best for you. And anyone who's written a book will know that there's always more that you can do. In fact, anyone who's marketed a product would know that. There's always more marketing that you can do. But I think the challenge is to not become scattered across too many of them. So especially if you're new to this um, and you've never done outreach to podcasts before or you've never done uh, Thunderclap before or you've, you've never actually put a product onto Amazon and gained reviews from it. There's, there's a period of learning that goes on in that and to try to do 20 or 30 of those at the same time would, would just be futile and would mean you'd not do any of them properly. Um, in, in terms of mistakes that I made, I think one, one mistake I might have made was underestimating how long it actually takes to upload something to Amazon. So the, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a funny thing. Like, you know, Amazon is a huge company with billions of dollars, and you would think that they would have a really streamlined process to make it easy for an author to upload stuff. Yeah. But no, <laughs> there's like a separate interface for your for your uh, create space, which is the hard copy version. Uh-huh. There's a separate interface for the Kindle version. There's a separate interface. You know, all of these have separate logins and separate. Wow. You have to figure out the way that their page works. Yeah. You've got to register for them all. Um, there's a separate interface for uploading your author p- profile, <laughs> and then there's a separate one for the audiobook. And then there's a separate one for the um, the, like, the look inside function where you get to do a preview. Yeah, you know, that's that's bizarre. That you have to like create a new login and send an email to someone to get that whole thing set up. So, yeah, the Amazon upload process is something that I thought I you know I thought I was giving myself heaps of time by starting at ten days before my book launched. But in the end, in the end, I needed every one of those ten days. But, <laughs> To, to figure it out and to actually get it get it working. Well, I think our next uh, business idea, Nathan, is an app that can integrate all those platforms for Amazon, and you don't have to. Uh, like, like I say, <laughs> keep them all. Like I say, it's crazy that a like such a huge and well resourced company like them hasn't already figured this out. But yeah, I was at a John Loger presentation a few weeks back. He was saying Amazon accounts for 25% of all sales on the internet now, which is wow. ungodly massive. Um, but, you know, they're like Google. Um, Google and Amazon, they're just so big, they just can't take care of everything, I would guess. Google's flopped on Google Plus and Google Voice and a couple other things, and Amazon 
hasn't integrated all their platforms for authors. Right, but yeah. if you think about it, Google started as, as a search company and Amazon started as a book company. Yeah. So Amazon flopping on books is kind of like Google flopping on search. True. Good point. <laughs> so I, I don't really get it. I mean, you say that they're doing 25% of all sales on the internet. It would be even more than that for books. So yeah. I guess yeah, when you when you become a monopoly or gain that kind of market power, yeah, you can <laughs> you can kind of treat people however you want because you're Amazon, so people still have to use you regardless. Um, yeah, <laughs> frustrating though. Yeah, I could see that, and and I I think you know maybe from their point of view, I'm sure they're not flopping on book sales, yeah. but they're they're flopping maybe a little bit more on uh, helping out the authors to get more books online to sell. So, or maybe they have a reason, a security purpose for that that, that we don't even know about. Who knows? Right. So, say a startup's listening to the podcast, Nathan, and and kind of curious, and they're wondering if equity crowdfunding is for them. What kind of tips would you give those listeners? Yeah, well, I think it's to go through the process of working out all the different funding methods before you necessarily de decide on equity crowdfunding. So weigh it up against continuing to bootstrap your business or doing a Kickstarter campaign or getting a grant from the government or getting money from a VC because all of them have different pluses and minuses to them. If you decide equity crowdfunding is the best way to go, um, and I run through some ways to do that in the book, you should spend the time in the preparation uh, before launching the campaign because once you launch, the countdown is on and it's very hard to change things afterwards. Not impossible. There, ha there have been companies who've turned things around when the campaign hasn't been going too well. But, but, but you know, as you know, the, um, the, the momentum tends to reinforce itself. So when you've already got a lot of sales happening, or in the case of crowdfunding, when you've already got a lot of money pouring in, that tends to generate its own buzz and more comes from it and things get really easy. Uh, but when you're pushing stuff uphill, you can, you can avoid getting into that situation by doing the preparation right up front. So uh, yeah, like it has some advantages. I think the types of companies it'll work best for fall into two camps. It'll be either your you kind of consumer businesses like drinks or food or clothing or cosmetics, these kinds of easily understood businesses where you might have a large customer base. And at the other end, it's the, the real unicorn moonshot type businesses which are disrupting markets and, you know, think Airbnb, Uber type businesses, right? They're, they're, they might not have a large user base yet, but they have a business idea which, if it's successful, could do really well. So those are the two camps which I think equity crowdfunding can work really well for. Nice. Is there anything else that you want to tell the listeners about the book, Nathan, that we haven't touched on yet? Um, look, I think if you if you read it, you'll get some great ideas on how to do your own campaign. I think it's the first book on the subject. This is one thing that's been in my favor. I'm not the... I'm not the hundredth person to write about content marketing or about SEO. I'm, I'm really the first person I think to have done a proper job of talking about this, and that might not sound modest, but I think it's true. Like this is an emerging field, and no one else has really gone out and talked to the businesses that have done it before. And um, you know, the book is filled with case studies and ideas of what to do. So um, 
look, it's it's free on Kindle uh, for the first few days, and it'll be fairly cheap after that. I, I always find this amazing, you know, when you pick up a book and it, it's, it contains someone's like life knowledge or you know all of their best information that they've spent years and years building up, and it costs you like five dollars or ten dollars. Yeah. That, that's that's what a book can do. So if this is at all of interest to you, I think it's uh, it's definitely a good investment to get your hands on it, especially absolutely. if it's free. Absolutely. You can't go wrong. Absolutely. So for the next couple of days, it is free on Amazon. We'll put the link in the show notes. I heard a rumor. Was it true that you got the idea for the book while staying at the Entrepreneur House? <laughs> it was. It was. It was uh, Tim Conley and and you yourself as well that were responsible for that. So I think it was Tim who had the actual talk, which I remember very clearly, where he talked about becoming an authority and not just an expert. And a book being a really great way to do that. But it was the entire environment too of being in the entrepreneur house, which uh, inspired me to you know, see people who were a few years ahead of me and. You know, they, they'd achieved some success and hear what they had uh, been through to, to get there. So yeah, it's an inspiring environment, but, but also beyond the inspiration, the content that I got at the Entrepreneur House too was extremely valuable. So I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm looking forward to catching up, man. Um, and, you know, you've got a nice acknowledgement in the back of the book. So, uh, yeah, kudos to you too for setting me on this path. Well, you did the work, my friend, but we're glad we could be a part of it. Nathan, we want to say thank you for coming out to the show. Thanks for following through with your book. Thank you for teaching the world about equity crowdfunding. Can you tell the listeners where they can find you at? Yeah, sure. Um, you can get the link to the Amazon page by going to assembleadvisory.com forward slash book. Or you can go onto Amazon and search for the book's title, which is Equity Crowdfunding, The Complete Guide for Startups and Growing Companies. And that's available in Kindle and in paperback. Excellent. Again, thanks for coming on the show, Nathan, and we'll see you soon. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for location-independent entrepreneurs. Imagine spending one month with other successful entrepreneurs building business in the world's most exotic locations. Day-to-day, you interact with other driven and smart business people. Spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality about business. Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved, the productivity skyrockets for those staying in the Entrepreneur House, and you get to have an incredible adventure while doing it. For those of you that are interested, be sure to contact us through the entrepreneurhouse.com website. For now, saludos from somewhere in the world. There's various emails that are being sent around and I haven't even had a chance to look at the stats or anything, but uh, huh. yeah, it's sort of the next 48 hours of going to tell a large part of the story. And then again, when it flips back over to being paid, see uh, what traction I've got. I was talking to Tal the other day about um, your process of uh, uh, creating the book. I was quite amazed. It turned, sounds like it's going to turn out really well, um, just by what he was telling me and kind of the story that you went through and connecting with other um, other startups and businesses that were crowdfunding. So yeah, I'm excited. Well, I will say that I, I will say this: the book itself is is very good. I mean, that doesn't sound modest, but it is actually a really good, it is a really good book. Uh, yeah. So anyone who reads it would get a lot of value out of it. Yeah. Um, 
it's just uh, it's you know whether I've done enough work pushing it and getting it out there, but is is the unknown. But either way, I'm proud of the book that I've made. Good, good. I don't think I'd want to read it if you said it wasn't good, though, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not much of a marketer if you don't say your own stuff's good. Right, right. 